0: Hello and welcome back to Aspen Talks Health. I'm Dr. Nicola and today I'm joined by Tara Sheehan. She is the founder of Conscious Global Leadership and the co-founder of Where Bisons Roam. Today we're going to discuss how to change your neurobiology. And we'll have a lot more to talk about, I'm sure, but this will actually affect your, your level of suffering which we're going to dive into. It's very interesting. I'm very excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Mm, Tara. Thanks, Nicola. It's great to be here. My pleasure. Let's dive right in with your story, because you have a really interesting story. Mm -hmm. Please share.
1: Well, I think the part that people get curious about is um, all of us have a... um, They call it like a trial by fire or water. So our life is... um, you know, the, the, the difficult situations. Some people seem to not have, you know, there's a kind of water they flow along and then other people have fire. They have near-death experiences. They have, a, you know, people dying in their life. They get really sick. They have some emotional traumas. And so they say when you go through these kind of fire experiences, they're very transformative. Mm-hmm. And my fire experiences was, were, um, the biggest one was I got bit by a tick when I was 36 years old, wow. and so um, most people again would say, "Oh, that's such bad luck," and I'm really sorry that happened. But what happened to me is that I, as I was telling you, I was I was really living this life of chasing these identities. I was a phenomenal athlete. Um, I was being the perfect mom. I was always chasing that self-image, the ego. And um, I was kind of living in all these images. I didn't even understand what the ego is. But to me, the ego is, um, you know, chasing these images, chasing everything besides just living in the present moment, you know, trying to be the best. Mm. And so when I got bit by that tick, um, it took away my ability to walk. It took away my ability to think. Um, I just, I got kind of infected in my legs, my arms, my brain, and you know, a lot of people. When you talk about Lyme disease, the thing about that disease is it's it mimics a lot of other diseases. So you kind of go on a little bit of a ride with doctors, and they're trying to diagnose you, mm. but they don't really know because you have like a hundred symptoms. But basically, what it did is it it took away my my doing. I I was a, such a doer, like I would you know, make dinner and I'd take the kids out and I'd go for a run. And, you know, I had this life that was just caught up in the the doing. And then all of a sudden um, it stilled me. And even though it was really painful, it brought me back to this present moment because I couldn't move. And, um, and so what was happening is it was kind of, um, it was, deconstructing my these identities because when I'm a super cook and I can't cook and I'm super mom and I can't pick up my kids and I'm a super athlete and I can't go for a run and I'm a super wife because I run around and make sure that my husband had all his needs met you know who am I what am I and so that was I think that they call it like a an existential crisis like if I'm none of those identities what am I right and, and what I realized is, you know, and there's an experience of, I went to a therapist and she said, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? And I said, well, you know, death. And she said, but, you know, what's before that? And I said, in a wheelchair, because, you know, I don't want to be in a wheelchair. I want to yeah. live a vibrant life. And to actually go there, to actually go towards dying, um, it, it was amazing because I sat in a chair like it was a wheelchair. And... All of a sudden, I and I did this TED talk um, with my son about this story. I sat in that chair, and this wildest thing happened. This voice inside me said, "Oh, but I can be love." Hmm. And I was like, "What?" And I had this feeling like I can sit here, I can love my kids, I can love people around me, and I just won't have the physical capacity to do what I did and I it was just it blew my socks off I was like whoa love like and so I was generating a feeling you know I I think we chase these Oh, if I just do this or I get this and I'm gonna feel like this I'm gonna feel euphoric when I win the race I'm gonna feel euphoric when I get the guy of my dreams but then what I found and then through a lot of sort of inner explanation is every feeling we desire is within
0: us Mm -hmm. right every single Safety, feeling love right security yes it's within
1: exactly and so to chase a feeling like we're going to have an external experience yes we do but to start within and say okay what is the feeling i want to experience from you know winning the lottery and thinking that that's going to resolve all my problems but what's the feeling of all my problems being resolved and that's that, you know, a root chakra feeling, the feeling of being safe and protected and in the present moment. And I always like to go to the earth because, you know, we, we're, we're so fed by Grandmother Earth and she's this solid, you know, not really solid, but feels like a rock. And so I'll go to that root chakra and really settle in and get that feeling of stability.
0: Hmm. You know, there's a fine line, I feel, between wanting to have, to have a life where you're achieving and you're accomplishing things and, and you're showing up like you want to for your kids and your husband. Yeah. And then being defined by achievement. Yeah. And only loving yourself when you're achieving. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's that fine line, exactly. right? And it, yes, exactly. It's like almost how do you know, you know, how do you push yourself to have drive but also sit back and and be loving still
1: yeah yeah what it reminds me of you know again like um, um, so for instance you do a show like this right and you you serve you give the audience what they need to feel nourished and whole and then when when the cameras go off then the ego the voice starts how did you look? Did you? That was so silly what you said, right? This inner negative dialogue, right? right? Yeah. Because we're trying to be an identity of I'm a beautiful talk show host or I'm a guest or whatever, right? We have a perception yeah. of what that is. And then <laughs> the judger comes in, right? right? Yeah. And so to make peace with that judger, that ego, and say, you know, I love you and I will never possibly be exactly what you think you're supposed to be, but again, I can be love and self-acceptance hmm. of the what is and what I delivered on that day. And so, yeah, so that's kind of the way I, I, I think, like before coming on here. How can I serve you? What can I do that will make you feel nourished, the audience feel nourished? And that's really not all about me. Right. That's all about the wisdom that flows through me right. from my life experiences.
0: Yeah. And if you know that your intention was good... You don't yeah. have to listen to the judger anymore. Yes, know, yes. My intention was pure. Yes. And, and therefore, I, I don't deserve the judger. Yeah. <laughs> it's very noisy. Uh, it is. Yeah, it talks a lot. Uh, tell us about conscious global leadership. That sounds really interesting.
1: So what happened was, I when I, I had that epiphany about like becoming love, well, love, when you talk to, and I've worked and gotten trained by indigenous healers, and you know when I went to India and trained um, for meditation. If you think about the feeling of love, it's a very soothing feeling and that's the healing. That's the, that's a medicine. That's our physical body's medicine. Mm. Dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. A lot of feel good alkaline hormones and enzymes course through our body. And that's how we boot up our immune system. Mm. And so I began to heal myself through that inner awareness and then, you know, I always think of Monty Python, it got better, you know, I got better. <laughs> and um, and I, I wanted to serve when I, when I healed because I actually, um, I got so well that I ended up trying out for the Olympics. I tried out when I was 20 in cross country ski racing. And so when I got better, I had always had that dream as a young girl to make the Olympic team. And so I ended up trying out again and went through four years of training, and then right on the eve of the Olympic trials, um, about two months before I got bit by a rattlesnake. Oh. And so, but I took all that kind of um, power, mm-hmm. and and really joy power, because to go from seven years of pain, and, you know, I had some other, other kind of crazy um, physical, um, you illness. know, challenges. I had an ovarian tumor, I had got that removed, and you know, it's kind of a long, silly, um, and wonderful transformation. But when I realized what my potential was in like a physical realm, I just ticked it over into realizing that my transformation could be shared. And I wanted to affect leaders on the highest level because I was married to the CEO of Patagonia, Casey Sheehan, at the time. Wow. And when he, I, I started to lead, you know, with love and, you know, use love as the metaphor for my life. And then he began using that same metaphor for guiding Patagonia. And so when I saw that shift in the company mm. from a leader leading from, with love, I thought, wow, what if we shifted all the leaders and that's when conscious global leadership came to my mind in a meditation, and then I thought, wow, healthcare, finance, arts, you know, sports, the leaders, the ones that are everybody's looking to. What if they really um, had that transformation yeah. that they weren't doing it to be significant? They were doing it to show the absolute mightiness of their our physical prowess, and then you know, how does that help kids get out of? suicide and you know addictions because they're you know using something that's really fun yeah. it's like a playground and so I started a uh, conscious global leadership with my former husband and my friend Luanne um, Robinson-Hole who lives here in Aspen and she wrote the book um, Happily Ever After right now.
0: I've heard of the
1: book. Yeah she's yeah. right here she's wonderful and we launched it at the Aspen Institute in 2010.
0: Beautiful. Yeah
1: so inviting leaders who want to make a shift.
0: Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Can you touch on some techniques that you used to heal yourself? So you healed yourself of Lyme. Is yeah. Is that possible or do you always have remnants or is it you can get rid of it altogether?
1: You know, I believe, you know, I don't want to say because for me, I got rid of it altogether. Wonderful. I did. And, you know, I did. It's interesting because I took antibiotics early on and it, it really had an, an energetic effect on me. And I think a lot of that was to actually um, surrender because I just surrendered, and at that time, you know, I was um, really ready to embrace all healing modalities because yeah. I used a lot of them, and so um, what? Then so so I, I did use antibiotics um, for a while, but you know they have a really hard hard effect on the system because they they kill everything, right? And so then I started working with a therapist who asked me to actually go inside and ask my cells the infection the um, the, that the tick gives you, why, why did you come into my body? What do you have to teach me? And when I began to like, make an ally with the bacteria, um, as though it was a medicine that you know, stilled me enough to find that present moment
0: right. and also
1: find the connection with nature because when you can't walk very fast, you start beginning to notice <laughs> the beauty of everything. You know, it, it just forces you to do that. And so um, I, that's how I healed. Is I just had an inner dialogue with my physical body, wow. and they, you know, the disease, the disease um, talked to me, that's
0: and I made incredible. some
1: massive life changes because of it, such as. Yeah. Um, well, I, um, I like trying out for the Olympics. I decided, you know, this has been my dream since I was young. And I kind of shelved it when I had kids because you almost think I can only do this. I can only be a mom. And I think that we have to balance our dharma, you know, our life purpose with the other things because raising kids, is a, it's a village, right? It's yeah. not just on one mom to do that. I think it really is about a village so that we can express who we truly are inside. And so that Olympic dream came from really inquiring about, you know, why are you here, Tara? What do you, what do you want to manifest? I love it. Yeah.
0: I have I'm a strong believer that everything that happens to you is actually for you. And mm-hmm. and you just actually help trigger something in me because I have type 1 diabetes. And so I, I'm going to take some time this evening and, and every day and ask what, why, how is this serving me? I already have some answers, but it's a fascinating asking question just to ask and not try and answer and see what comes that's right and
1: the thing about it is you know it's it's got to do with your liver you know your real vital organs and so oftentimes you know there can be a trauma from our childhood right. that we store in our physical body right and i had one of those traumas when from uh, when i was a, a teenager and um and, what, and actually what happened was, and I, I tell it in a different way, is it was, you know, my body was very, you know, we, we want to have sex. Our body's got all these hormones. And I had a, a boy, and he really it was just a boy who I was dating. And, you know, he wanted to have sex. And my conditioning was like, no, 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 you don't do that. But, you know, your body's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in the time, to- you know, there was a moment where he just kind of forced himself on me because he's reading these signs, right? There's all this sexual energy and I'm saying no.
0: No, no, no. Yes. Yeah,
1: my body's saying <laughs> yes and I'm I'm trying to stop it. Huh. And um and then in that moment um when that happened, you know, he, you know, things, you know, it 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 was initiated. I had so much um, confusion and shame that mm. I they you know, there's different um, they call it disassociation in a psychiatric way. Like you literally kind of go into this out of body experience. Like, wow. And in an in a, in a indigenous tradition or shamanism or you know indigenous wisdom, they say literally like your soul will leave your body wow. because you it's just there's this confusion, right of, yeah. of beliefs. And so from that experience, Um, I I, I shamed myself for a long time. How did you get yourself into that situation? Why couldn't you protect yourself, you know? Instead of seeing and understanding like why that happened. And so, like, and so that you know, I developed a huge uh, ovarian tumor, and I think a lot of women do when they have a lot of shame around, you know, having sex with somebody that they didn't want it, or it was supposed to look a certain way, or even a violent way. Mm. That they then take it in on this self-shaming, and so when we do that, when we have those negative thoughts, we course ourselves with cortisol and adrenaline, and and you know, we kind of manipulate our physical body in a not so healthy way. And so, like I was saying, I had Lyme disease and then I ended up having this ovarian tumor wow. that, you know, got really big and, and when they took it out, uh, it was like taking out that all that kind of shaming
0: huh. that went,
1: you know, and I, I, I told the doctor, when you take it out, see it as beautiful because it was a teacher for me. Somehow it's part of my journey and honor it. And you know, I swear if I had done it again, I'd say, Give it to me and I will do something sacred with it. Huh. But it did show me that I'd kind of um, put in a lot of uh, shaming um, emotions into my physical body for a long time. Right. And I was just diseased, you know, like, and I think that was what it was there to teach me. So, you know, then again, asking the the tumor, like, what do you, you know, why are you here? What do you have to teach me? And then um, I think there's an alignment with our, I think our energy body just is so excited about us talking to all our 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 organs, and you know, and thanking them and saying, You're doing so so much for me, and what can I do for you?
0: I love that. Yeah. You studied in India. What did you learn? You know, I
1: went to India because, after all the that I'd gone through, I was there was a lot of publicity about me going on this Olympic journey because I got fast, really fast, really quick. I was one of the top skiers in the country in two years, so people were writing like there were newspaper people and you know magazine people coming and asking me like, "How are you so fast?" and this and that. And so, um, and I started helping people, but what I realized I didn't want any of my own judgments and I wanted to be really clean when I helped people, so I made an affirmation at our house down in Carbonale in the Kiva when I was in there in a meditation about how to help people and here I found myself going to India for a 21 um, uh, day immersion in silence Wow and and Powerful. hello like talk about hearing the inner negative dialogue of the ego I mean that's what you're meant to do is just see all the thoughts that are going through your mind all the time right. and then learning these breathing techniques that slow your mind down so you can spot suffering in action and that's what it was all meant to teach us is that when you um, have certain tools like meditation or the breath work really takes us to a place of silence pretty fast and then it's that. And what I was telling you, the that they it's um, One World Academy is the one where my higher learning was. I went to Oneness University first and then One World Academy. And that was their mantra is people don't cause suffering, uh, situations don't cause suffering, your thinking's causing your suffering. Hmm. And your freedom comes from being aware of your thinking, and that all the thinking is upholding the self-image
0: of the ego. And so, right. does that make
1: sense? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Say it in another way. So your thinking is self-serving. Is yeah.
1: So when you notice you're, you're suffering, and it's kind of, it's you know, pulling the wool off of us. When we're suffering, it's actually very me-centric. You don't really, you're not even caring about the other person. You're caring about yourself and your identity. So it, it in, and I mean that in a really like kind hearted way. So if you were to, for example, look at a child inside of you that's crying, that wants to be beautiful, that tried to wear the right outfit to be loved and then didn't find it that way. There's a suffering child in there and that's that ego, that subconscious um, um, programming. And so when we start to make it conscious, when we start to become aware of it, and there's different techniques for identifying some of those negative self-talk, you know, uh, ticker tapes. But in India, it was really about um, having these practices and processes, the practice being the meditation every day and the processes being holotropic breath work. I mean, that's a massive way of kind of um, breaking apart obsessive um, neurobiological um, uh, like super highways yeah
0: and and we're addicted to suffering wait can you explain what that is because I have no idea what holotrophic
1: okay so thing it's is. like so for example um, we did uh, uh, like this uh. for a couple hours a couple hours yeah And that's a process. That's actually guided by very, very um, gifted facilitators. Okay. There's a shorter one called chaotic breathing. So you know how when we're nervous, we're always kind of upper chest. (laughs) Yeah, short. (laughs) Well, chaotic breathing almost calls it out. So it's like... (laughs) chaos in your breathing and so you do that for about five minutes and then you stop and it just has this unbelievable ability to again break apart these um, obsessive um, thinking practices you know because when we think about um, uh, for instance like uh, fear right And I like, let's say I have a lot of fear, I have a lot of anxiety, I'm breathing through my mouth all the time. I'm developing these parts of my neuroanatomy that are gonna stimulate more and more. Like if I'm doing this all day, I'm gonna get a big muscle. If I'm worrying all day, I'm gonna get a big worry muscle, right? Right. So when I choose to do the breath work, I choose to practice, I do some processes that'll kind of accelerate some of that neurobiological development Then I'm choosing to use muscles for peace, joy, contentment, present moment. Mm. And I remember I have this phenomenal... I mean, this organization, One World Academy, has phenomenal teachers. Um, Krishna and Preeta founded it. And then Anandagiri, who's come through the valley quite a bit, um, he's amazing. And, um, you know, he just... I remember him coming in one time when we were in India. I just... You know, I'd only been there for a few days when I first got there. And he came in, and I thought he was going to be this super loving, you know, hi, everybody. And he glared around us, and he said, you're going to have these transcendent experiences. And then you're going to call us in six months and say, it didn't work. Hmm. And he looked, and he said, you must practice. Yeah. And it's so critical because if we want to be in joy, we've been in suffering for a long time. We're not taught early on how to have tools to get out of suffering. So we've been in suffering a lot. So we need to change our neuromate. We need to upgrade our operating system. You must practice. There's no other way. I wish there were a pill, you know, that we could take. But right now, it's practice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're coming towards the end. We just have a couple more minutes. But what's one tool or practice that people could do at home to start recognizing and catching themselves in that negative self-talk?
1: Yeah, well one thing I really encourage and you know I live down in um, at 13 Moons, it's a ranch outside of Carbondale and we're really about nature, connecting to nature and so right when you walk into nature you're gonna notice like this almost a euphoric state, right, because there's a lot of oxygen, sit down Look at nature, like my, my partner, Red Horse, uh, Scott Red Horse, um, says, you know, the trees are your friends, the water's your relative. And really see and experience your connection with nature. Sit down, feel your bones. They're like the stones, right? The bones mm-hmm. where you're sitting. And then slow your breath down. And r- always breathe out of your nose. So, slow your breath down. And then put your hand on your belly. And then inhale for three Puff that belly, exhale for six. One, two. Draw that navel toward the spine and squeeze that vagus nerve. Inhale for three. And exhale for six. Yeah. And if you do that practice, inhale for three, exhale for six. I call it, I developed this breathe lab, these exercises. And that's like a breathe lab three to six. Yeah, And you're going to change yourself in
0: instantly. Yeah, you'll start yeah. notice when it comes in. Yeah. All right, we are, we, that went so quick. Yeah. I'm so grateful you're here. Yeah. Really quick, your homework for tonight. If you can close your eyes, do this three, six breath work, and then ask yourself, what is, what is it that's serving me about whatever suffering condition you have going on at the moment? How is it in service to you? And then take some time to journal, okay? Thank you, Tara. Oh, thank you, Nicola.
1: Yeah, so grateful.
0: Uh, We'll put your contact up on AspenTalksHealth.com so people can find your uh, conscious global leadership. That sounds fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in.